Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. I have a funny story about delivering babies, because we've got a lot of women that deliver babies at home, which I love. I didn't do that. I had three C-sections. But we're, uh, one lady, if you go beyond your, your birth week, um, like one or two weeks beyond it, the, the um, home birthers just send you, cut you loose and send you to the hospital because of risk. And fair enough. <laughs> well, I had one lady, I was literally walking around praying one morning and I had one lady um, go, this is my last day. I'm going to give birth today or they cut me off and send me to the hospital, right? And um, so I was like, I could see five angels that were walking with me as I was praying so I literally, I got off the phone with her, it's like 1.30, I got off the phone with her, I went, right, go deliver the baby. I got a phone, a phone call <laughs> at 5.30, she had the baby in her bathtub, <laughs> with her husband delivered the baby, and the birthers didn't even have time to get there. <laughs> so, and don't have me pray for those things. <laughs> Actually, maybe do, because, you know, if you have angels. Hey, I mean, the Hebrew women, they gave birth too quickly that, you know, Egyptian pharaoh couldn't do anything about it, right? So, they had the same angels, didn't they? <laughs> Birthing babies. Sorry, really bad Bible jokes now. Um, okay, well, let's just pray. Um, God, I just thank you. I thank you for what you've already been doing here this morning, and I just pray do more do more. I'm literally talking about the songs that we, we sung today, not knowing about the songs, and even what you just did right after the songs there. It's this, what I'm talking about. What you've been stirring me to talk about is what you already did. And um, so, God, we, we're the ones that just follow you. And um, so I'm just grateful for what you've done here already and just pray for open-heartedness, open-hearted reception of the Word of God here now as we just talk about um, some of the stories from the Bible and what you want to do in our lives here um, to bring great healing and breakthrough in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Open up your Bibles to Mark. Say Mark. Oh, so, <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> I was really surprised there. Someone really went Mark all out. <laughs> so good. Um, so, um, so blind Bartimaeus is a story a lot of people know about, right? Um, and probably, probably people from childhood, some people from childhood know about blind Bartimaeus. I'm going to just give it a little bit of a different spin. Um, and actually the Holy Spirit was who really pounded my heart with this as I just sat just praying a few days. Just pr- I, I, I spend sometimes weeks or a week minimum, but sometimes weeks and weeks out just with stuff rumbling around in my heart that I know that he wants to speak about. Well, I was like, all right. I know you want to start bringing this part of identity forward. How do we do it? And he literally was like, this section, read this. So I'm going to read from the blind Bartimaeus. It's Mark 10, verse 46. It says, Then they came to Jericho. The they is um, Jesus and his disciples and crowds, because it was always just there was crowds following him. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city... A blind man named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he, Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stopped and said, call to him. Call him over, right? So the people called to the blind men, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. So this is what Bartimaeus did. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And, and Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So here's the story is this is Jesus' journeying from where he had been setting up his ministry quarters in Capernaum. Um, he was moving now on his way to his last week to be spent in Jerusalem. And he's literally on his way. He's in Jericho, leaving Jericho, and the crowds are following him. He's famous, right? People crowd around him. People want to have miracles. People want to see their children delivered from demons and all the rest. So there's people just love him, following him, and crowds walking along with him from Jericho up. It's an 18-mile. It's up hill to Jerusalem. And so Jesus and the whole of the crowds just start on the long road. So, so what happens there is Bartimaeus, who's blind, Bartimaeus Bar means son of, Timaeus means highly esteemed, precious one, highly exalted. Bartimaeus, so Bartimaeus is the son of a man who is highly esteemed and highly held precious and esteemed and highly exalted. So how is Bartimaeus, who is blind now and begging on the side of the road, he's really out of place, isn't he? If he's the son of a really highly exalted man in the city, a really highly honored and praised and precious man, a man counted as precious, Timaeus means precious, how is blind Bartimaeus? sitting destitute on the side of the road? How is he just out of luck or out of order with who his father is? Why is he begging? Why is the son of a highly esteemed, honoured man begging? And I just want to say to you, we are the sons and daughters of the most high God, the most highly esteemed. Right? Right? Aren't we? the sons and the daughters of the Most High God, the one with all the power. Nothing is out of his purview of seeing and knowing all things. He is everywhere present. He, he occupies heaven and earth, fills everything with himself. And we're his sons and daughters. And some of us sometimes are just on the side of the road, like blind Bartimaeus begging not realizing we're wearing a wrong cloak. He's wearing the beggar's cloak. And some of us are just on that side of the road, just like Bartimaeus was, begging, forgetting who our father is, wearing the wrong identity of the wrong cloak of a blind man, begging when our real father is in heaven. Our real father is the one with all the power and he's good and he's generous and he's a loving God. Right? So when Bartimaeus was sitting on the side of the road, the word says that he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, 
have mercy on me. It was something in Bartimaeus that he actually understood who Jesus was already because he was crying from his heart, son of David. That means Bartimaeus knew the word of God, the scriptures, because in the scriptures, he knew from Isaiah chapter 42, it talks about Jesus being the one who would come and heal blind eyes, the one who would show mercy. And he's literally hopeless, helpless, sitting blind, begging, can't see even. He just sees or can hear the crowd coming. There must have been quite a raucous crowd and a sound if there's just crowds and crowds of people and conversation and happy, you know, joyful. Everywhere Jesus went was a party. So he's hearing the sound of the crowd coming. And he's like not looking even, which person is he? But I'll just cry out aloud. I'll just cry, Jesus, son of David, I know that you're the covenant I know that you're the covenant promise. I know that you're the loyal one, the faithful one, the God who said he'd heal blind eyes. Have mercy on me. He's sitting on the side of the road calling to the one he already now in his heart believed was the Lord Jesus, right? So he already had faith there, but he's still sitting in that position of he's the son of a very wealthy or somehow highly honored, highly esteemed man, yet still sitting on the side of the road begging. But at least he had that in his heart, right? And I feel like sometimes we all can be in that place of frustration where we are sometimes just sitting down and can be a little bit frustrated with circumstances. Yet in our heart, there's a cry. (laughs) I know you have more for me, (laughs) right? I know you have more for me. I know you have healing for me. I know you have freedom for me, right? I think think there'd not be a person in the room who who wouldn't admit that we've been in places like that. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The word there where he says shout, it's crazo or crazio. <laughs> so literally, the, word, the, the Greek word is crazio. Crazo and crazio. There's actually two. They're really similar. Crazo. So he's sounding a little crazy. What it actually means is just this deep, deep emotional cry deep from the, the pit of you, like reaching out, crying and shrieking out, right? But the, the crowd, we read, the crowd turns and starts to rebuke him and scold him and scoff at him, right? Telling him to be quiet. Because maybe he did sound a little crazy. Maybe he hadn't had a bath for a while. He's a beggar. He's blind. Doesn't have possessions. If he's begging, he has nothing. He's lost and destitute and in need of even the mouth, the food that, it, you know, he's given to put in his mouth, right? So destitute beyond un- our understanding. Poor, needy, right? And so he begins to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. A very undignified shouting if people from the crowd start to say, shh. Be quiet. Don't bother, don't bother Jesus. Can't you see we're having a party over here? We're on our way to Jerusalem, don't you know? Don't bother us. We've got better plans, more important things to do. And literally the crowd rebuked him. But I think that this is where if you are in a place where you're feeling sat down by the side of the road, destitute and in great need, here is what Bartimaeus didn't do. He didn't let the shouts of the crowd and the voices say, No, sit down, be quiet, get in your place. Who do you think you are? He didn't let the crowd do that. He kept kept crying out because you can read verse 47 is, when he heard that Jesus was coming, he began to shout, Jesus is the son of David, have mercy on me. In 48, it says, when they rebuked him and told him to be quiet, he shouted all the louder. He shouted all the more. And so we've got to be the kind of people who are not going to listen to the voices around about us ever that are going to sit us down and that are going to cause us to just be okay and accept 
below normal, except below where we've been called to live as sons and daughters of God. Right? We can't allow the voices of the world and even sometimes well-meaning voices and people that might be good friends. I don't really see that on you. I don't really think you should preach. I don't really think you should worship lead. I don't really think you should start that business. I don't really think you've got it in you. You failed before. Maybe you'll fail again. Right? Bartimaeus ignored all of that and just louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I need you to move in my life. So there's something in all of us, right, that's got to be able to get up beyond the voices. And so I just mentioned some external voices. Sometimes it's the internal voice. And we remind ourselves and have this track record in our thinking that just goes over and over and over like a broken record of all of my failure or all of my things that I could set myself aside for or minimize myself, put myself down. Don't remember that time when you were five and you fell off your bike and that was failure. And I'm like 51 and I'm still remembering failure from when I'm five, right? We've got to be able to stop that break, broken record, that track that just is non-stop telling us that self-talk that is going to create in us um, an actual reality that we start living because we start to believe what we tell ourselves. If you start to tell yourself you are a failure, if you start to tell yourself you're no good, or other, compare yourself to the person next to you, which the Bible says don't do, but you'll always come off better than some people and worse than others right? And so that track record in our head is just the set up for us to make us sit down on the side of the road, just like blind Bartimaeus. We've probably sit there for a long time, destitute and in great need, right? So it's the external voices. He, he, he pushed aside the external voices, but sometimes it's also the internal voices, our own, the lies that we've told ourselves for so many years. We've got to set those aside and just go, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Amen. His cry was for healing of his eyes. We know that. That's the, that's the childhood story. If you've been in church long enough, you've heard this, the childhood story of blind Bartimaeus got his eyesight back. But who knows it's much more than eyesight back? <laughs> it's identity. I'm talking about identity. But it's also spiritual seeing and just that freedom to really live again, right? So even when you read through Scripture, don't be like, oh, it's just a healing of eyes. Understand all of that, what comes with that. It's a whole new way of living right? You've been completely set free to just get, get up and go again, right? So verse, um, verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man. In, I'm reading from the NIV. It says, cheer up. But if you actually, the Greek is um, take courage, be of good courage, but get on your feet. He's calling you. Actually, you know, I would just say that because the Greek word there is, is take courage, but it actually means to have boldness in front of people. Isn't that good? To have, so sometimes, not every time, but in the New Testament, if you read Take Courage, very often the Greek word is thasio or thasi. It means to have courage in front of people, boldness in front of people, right? And it's not because of arrogance. It's not because of, of like a wrong ego confidence. It's because you know who you are in God, right? And so, and so literally the crowd are going, cheer up, on your, get up, social boldness, have some boldness in front of us all. <laughs> get up on your feet. He's calling you. So verse 50 says, throwing his cloak aside, that was the first thing he did. 
before he jumped up and ran to Jesus, the first thing he did was threw his cloak off. Now think about this. He's a poor man. He's begging. He's beyond poor. He's got nothing. He can't see, so he can't work. He can't support himself. He's begging on the side of the road for even his food. So if he's wearing a cloak, don't you know it's going to be a precious possession because winter comes every year. <laughs> it's like a cycle. <laughs> and so the, his possession is winter. I need this coat. <laughs> well, he's hearing Jesus call to him. Cheer up on your feet. The master's calling you. And the first thing he did was throw off that beggar's cloak. That's a throwing off of this old identity. I'm getting up out of this old identity and I'm going to run now with everything I have to Jesus. And the, the, he didn't have his sight back at that point, so he's probably guided right through the people to Jesus, right? But it's literally threw the coat off, then jumped to his feet before he started on his way to Jesus. He threw off. He knew enough to go, I'm about to meet the one who's going to change my whole identity. I'm going to have a new life now. So throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up onto his feet and came to Jesus. So uh, I love in the Greek with this one too, it's, um, th- he threw the cloak off. It's um, anabalo or anabalio. And, and what it is, is he cast it aside. Here's what I think is really interesting. It's often the same word that's meant used for deliverance, demonic deliverance. Because sometimes our identities are so ingrained in us in a wrong way and sometimes it takes some casting out of some demons to really right us, right? One third of the church in America, according to a psychiatrist who's also worked in deliverance ministry for 35 years, his name is Francis McNutt, he said one third of the American church needs deliverance and they won't get it because it's stigmatized. Because if you were suddenly in a lot of places to say, hello, I need some help. I think I might have a demon or demons. Many churches will go, we don't even do that or believe in that today. So shh, keep your problems to yourself. Or here, medicate it. We have a medicine. It's called anxiety medicine, depression medicine, whatever you want to call it. So the first thing he did when he's like, Jesus is calling me. Because see, Jesus knew his name, just like Jesus knows every one of your names. And he calls to you every single day, right? He's calling to you every single day, calling your name. And so, you know, uh, and, and for good and sometimes to tweak us, sometimes to clean us out, sometimes to just do some dealing in our heart. Other times, just because he just wants to show us really great things. I had a really great vision in the middle of worship. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to get home and write all of this down. <laughs> um, and so sometimes it's just because just he just so delights to show us things and bring us into his heart and give us revelation. Other times he's like, actually, I really want you to let go of this thing that you've been hanging on for too, for too long. It's keeping you destitute on the side of the road, <laughs> right? And so he, he, he cast off his cloak <laughs> really quickly before he even jumped to his feet and took off running to Jesus. So verse 51 And he's face to face now. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And the man said, Rabbi. Actually, in the Greek, it's Rabboni, which actually means, in Aramaic, I should say, it means it's a very, very deep respect. Um, And and even, even I've placed my life in your hands. You are my master term. Okay? And so he says, Rabbi, I want to see, I want to see with his eyes. 
52, Jesus said, go, your faith has healed you. Like, your faith has healed you. He's commending his faith. But the next word just says, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. But I want to say this, immediately he received his physical sight and followed Jesus along the road. Immediately he followed Jesus along the road. Immediately he just got up and followed Jesus and then went all the way into Jericho because that's what Jesus' mission was at that point. He was leaving Jericho, walking the 18 miles up to the Jerusalem road and he was about to have the triumphal entry because the next chapter talks about the triumphal entry where Jesus is walking in on a donkey and people are laying down the, um, their coats, right? So triumphal entry. So the man then got to witness. By the way, Mark, that's the last healing miracle Mark records but that man then journeyed on that road with Jesus right into the heart of Jerusalem. And uh, so what I want to talk about beyond that is how the enemy seeks to keep believers sitting down on that side of the road. The enemy is deathly afraid of believers who know who they are. Like deathly afraid of us. Is that a new thought for you or a new concept? For me to say, for the believer who really knows who they are and gets up in all of the strength that, that they allow Jesus to be in them, because it's not our strength, it's his strength in us, it's his love expressed through us, it's, his, it's everything that he wants to do through our life, right? That believer, the devil, is deathly afraid of. Deathly afraid of, because we just remind him his time is up. His time is shorter, and it's like tick, 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 boom, type, type you know? Like, so we, we literally, we literally put him on marching orders. And so the enemy does not wage war against unbelieving people. The people who are part of his kingdom already belong to him. He's not afraid of them. In fact, 2 Timothy verse 25 and 26 literally explains that for the person who is not a believer in Jesus Christ, the devil can uh, fully possess them and have, have them and manipulate them and do his will through their life at any time whenever he wants. And in the Greek, it is even stronger. It's like at any moment, they're completely his slaves and he can use them for his own doing and work, right? That's, that's the non-believer. But the person who is the believer then is who uh, we face, I say we, because we're at war, right? We're the ones who then face the anger of the devil who is mad at God because he can't fight God, so he takes it out on us and he breathes and roars as loud as he can to try and get us to sit down and stay down just like Bartimaeus was sitting on the side of the road with an old beggar's coat on, wrong identity, right? That's his, that's his aim with every single believer, to have us sit down and be quiet and don't talk about our faith, don't live in the purposes that God's designed us for, have our hands literally like um, barred, bound, right? Have us weak, impotent, not knowing who we are. That is the devil's plan for us. And sadly, many in the church live in that place. I don't think they want to. I don't think people want to. And if I think that they knew that way out, they'd be very quickly, just like Bartimaeus was crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, and running to him as soon as they heard him call his name, right? But the fact is, he's calling everybody's name every single day. <laughs> we just have allowed too much distraction in. He's calling people's name every single day. He's asking us to get up and just start, because Jesus even said, your faith has healed you, Bartimaeus. I didn't even, I didn't even do it. You did it, Bartimaeus. Your faith, you got up 
and you started coming to me, even though it was hard because you can't even see. <laughs> and you just came to me because you could hear me calling your voice. And Jesus calls to every single person, believers and non-believers alike, by the way, every single day he's calling to your heart every single day and saying, get up in the full strength of who I am and let me be God through your life because the world needs to see people who know who they are and who can fully love the way I've loved and let the, the light of God shine through their lives, right? Here's, here's, what, here's what we're going to do. Well, probably people know the word sozo because there's a healing ministry, um, in a healing ministry called sozo. But the word sozo actually means saved. It's the Greek word for saved, to be saved. Sozo, S-O-Z-O is the Greek word. It actually means to be fully healed, fully delivered, and fully saved. The church for too long has been really great at altar calls <laughs> only. Stop. Pause. We did it. Yay. Heaven's partying. The next week, same thing, over and over and over. Do you know what happens? People are not getting fully healed and fully delivered. They're not getting set free from the things like Bartimaeus because Bartimaeus was an Israelite, so he was part of the kingdom, right? He already knew who Jesus was. He was saying, son of David, Rabboni, you are my master. He was part of the kingdom. The saved, healed, and delivered has got to be finished we can't just do the one-third saved. It's the healed and delivered, healed and delivered, inner healing, healing of the emotions, healing of the heart, healing of past wounding, whether, whether, whether someone else did it to you or you did it to yourself because of unrenewed thinking. It's all got to be healed because while we sit in this state of unhealth, unhealing, we attract demons. We attract torment. We attract unhealthy other people who will reinforce the yucky, the yucky state we live in, right? And so it's like, it's, like, it's like flies are attracted to garbage. Like who knows, like a smelly, a smelly um, trash can in the middle of summer, you, you like kick it or bump it and like flies are like, oh. <laughs> and you, like, you freak out because you're like, wow, there's a lot of flies in there. Do you know that our lives are like that if we just have junky, stinky thinking and junky thoughts? And, and, and believers can be just tormented by demons, like daily and not even know it. And just live with it because we haven't known it. We've just tolerated our thinking. We've tolerated our rotten, that just the, just the um, sometimes I can see it in a heart. It, it, we've tolerated like this stinky um, beliefs, a belief about myself that's negative, belief about someone that's, that's negative, comparison, criticism, um, religious thinking, um, the, the bitterness and resentment cycle that can create then hatred for you, in you, for someone else, division. The church is divided, too divided, so divided. And once the church gets healed of that, the nation will be healed, right? It all starts in the church. And so the church is just sitting with uh, issue after issue after issue after issue. And then we look around culture going, what the heck is wrong? I'm like, please point the fingers at, at, at me and the, and the church first. Because when we, we can get up and get healed and then really start to do our job, which is disciple the nations, then we won't be looking at the cultural gunk that we're looking at right now. No person is ever your enemy. No person is ever your enemy. And I, I know what's going on in culture because I've got some real beef with some people. I'm like, 
Jesus, take him quickly. <laughs> get him saved first. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. But justice with that too, right? But, but, but here, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 33 to 5. Oh, actually, no, I just told you the wrong verse. Sorry. Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against, it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's never a person, right? But often because the enemy just loves to just poke and push and divide and create issues, relational issues after relational issue, and I was hurt five years ago, and that person looks like they're about to do the same thing, so I'm going to protect myself and hold them out, Right? And, and we, just con- we learn to conduct our life this way. And all we are doing is opening our door wide open to torment and oppression from the enemy. Because we've lived with an unhealed heart. And we've dragged one wound and, and put it on top of another wound, on top of another wound. And we have learnt to just function from that place. And people, people, can really, people can function at a very high level in life. Yet be covering over so many wounds inside and such unhealed places, right? And we're actually, because we're created in God's image, we're really good. We are really good, right? And so people have learnt great survival skills and can cover it over and mask up really good. But it's not doing the church good, and it's not doing the world good who needs to see a healed church so that the Holy Spirit can fill the church and the rest of the world go, oh, I need that. But instead, if they just keep bumping up into people who have just got hurt, but they're covering the hurt, or insecurity, but they're covering the insecurity... The world are a bit smarter than we realise, and they go, that's a bit inauthentic. I don't know that I want that. It's a bit smelly. If I kick it, flies move. Right? Oh, I'm going to cry, so. I'm just going to say again, Satan is deathly afraid that you will discover who you are and they're deathly afraid that you'll walk in the purposes that God put you into the earth for at this time on the planet right now in 2022 because you have such um, a big job for God to do in the earth. And there's people that, that he wants you to love and reach out to and show the gospel to and demonstrate with your life how good God is, right? And it's every single believer. But we've sat down because we haven't understood and we've allowed the lies of the enemy to cause us to sit down all the more and created sometimes like real prisons for ourselves. So we've sat down in a prison that, that Jesus didn't put us in. We allowed the lies of the enemy to put us in. Right? So what time is it? 11.50. I'm going to read this scripture that I mentioned earlier. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 to 5 from the NIV. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Here is the thing. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Do you know one of the greatest weapons you have is repentance? Do you know that that's a weapon? 
you know that another weapon that you have is, is renouncing old lies? Sometimes the, sometimes the greatest uh, weapon that you can have is your willingness to just live in God with a heart posture that's just bowed low. Surrender. Which doesn't make sense on the military, to the military, because everything they say is about surrender's loss. If you're surrendering, you're losing. <laughs> but in the kingdom of God, when you're surrendering, you're winning. And that's one of the greatest weapons that we have. Like surrender and humility. These things don't make sense in the world to the world. And they're opposite to what you think would be worldly success, right? But surrender and repentance, that quick willingness to just give up stuff out of my heart to the Lord and let him deal with it, that is a weapon of our warfare, right? Another weapon of our warfare is just our ability to cry out to God, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Prayer is a weapon of your warfare. And, it, and it's powerful because even the slightest little cry for help, God comes running. And the slightest cry of Jesus causes the enemy to scatter in a thousand different directions. Right? So prayer is a weapon of warfare. Like our, our cry for help, our cry, oh, Jesus. It could be a barely breathed out cry, but he's right there. He's right there to help. So our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds get built in us when we have wound after wound after wound after wound, and we self-defend, 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 excuse, 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 blame someone else, blame someone else, blame someone else, don't take responsibility, don't take responsibility, brick by brick by brick. Built up to a massive wall, it's now a stronghold. And I've held God out, but I've kept my mess and junk in and it's just attracting yucky, dirty flies. Right? So, divine power to destroy strongholds. Repentance, surrender, openness to the Lord, quick willingness to obey Him. Prayer, worship, praise. When you don't feel like it, jump around and just go, thank you, God. I don't know why I'm thanking you today. I feel like not, but I will anyway. <laughs> When you start to move in that opposite direction to your feelings and start to move in opposite direction to how uh, blind Bartimaeus sitting on the road, that was what he did, right? He threw off that old cloak and he jumped to his feet and went to Jesus. And, and when we can be people who operate like that, willing to really let go of that old, because that, that would have been comfortable in the, one hand, in the one hand. Who knows, maybe who knows, have you ever heard of stories like this? Um, someone gets healed of um, say, I actually know someone who got healed of, uh, she was in a wheelchair, um, and so I don't remember what it was she got healed of, but she was in a wheelchair, quite incapacitated, but she had a lot of people doing a lot of things for her all the time, looking after her needs, meeting her needs. Well, she got healed physically of the issue and could walk again, run again even, and within a few months just found herself back in the wheelchair, and she admitted this, I really liked people doing things for me. I don't want to be personally responsible. I liked it better when other people took care of all my knees. And so she would be preferring to sit in the wheelchair. And so that was like, like blind Bartimaeus, right? He's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, my cloak is off. <laughs> that old identity is off. I'm getting up on my feet. I'm running to Jesus. We've got to be that kind of person that's like, I'm going to take personal responsibility this, for my heart, my responses, my, my uh, I won't blame other people. And now it's not that people, it's not that people haven't done some things that really hurt others, right? You can be, you can be a victim 
of other people's abusive things that they've done to you. So Jesus never invalidates that, ever. He wants to heal you and take care of that because he's justice God. He's God who does justice too, right? And so it's not that you invalidate what that evil other action was by that person, but the victim who was at the hand of the abuser still has to get up and forgive because unforgiveness is a poison, like unforgiveness develops such bitterness and, and uh, uh, like a poison inside that will also cause a person just to sit down on the side of the road, incapacitated, destitute and really needing God, bound up. And the person can still be saved, but completely bound. So saved, but not free. Like going to heaven, eternally secure, but not winning here in earth, on the earth, not demonstrating the life of Christ like he wants to because we haven't been able to just forgive and let go. Forgiveness does not mean that the other action is okay and, and doesn't matter, but forgiveness lets the person who faced the abuse off the hook. You let yourself off the hook when you forgive, right? You let yourself off the hook and you allow the poison to come out of you when you forgive. Now, that's one type of victim. Another type of victim is the self-made. <laughs> and this is the person who just perceives everybody's an abuser and I'm just going to believe what I want to believe and no one's going to tell me otherwise and I'm going to allow my mind to just go around and around like a tape or a track record non-stop telling me all of my, you know, I, 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 I should sit down. I'm entitled to this. I'm going to blame everyone else for everything that's ever happened to me. And the lies, it's like a stronghold of lies that can get built up. And so a person can be a self-made victim. They're still a victim because do you know what? Demons come in and do victimize that person in a really big way, horridly, horribly victim of demons and torture because they torture thinking. They torment your thinking. They cause pain in your thinking, right? And so still a victim... But the whole point is personal responsibility. Jesus wants us to grow up into him. He wants us to take personal responsibility and not blame any other person for anything anymore because he took it all on the cross anyway. All right, so. I think what we do is... Um, We're just going to do two things. Um, we're going to do two things. We're going to do two, two things that we're going to pray on. Um, and so I'm going to ask you, like, respect the person next to you. Keep your eyes closed. And um, if someone starts crying, like, you know, give them a tissue if you have one. But um, tissue, is that American? Australian. I'm oh, good. <laughs> um, I want to do this. Jesus, I just ask for your help right now too. I really just ask for your help here. Holy Spirit, we invite you just to minister. I just pray for the increase of Holy Spirit here to minister and move upon hearts and for you to have your way here, for you to really speak to hearts in only the way that you can because you're so gentle and you're so kind. Um, thank you, Jesus. I don't know everybody's story here, but just with your eyes closed, I am going to ask Holy Spirit, if there are situations or experiences that are unhealed in here in people's hearts and lives, I pray bring it to their memory now. Like bring it up now, Holy Spirit.
just bring it up. Maybe it's one memory. Maybe there's a few that filtered into your thinking. So the Holy Spirit does this, okay? So Holy Spirit, I do. I just ask, like, bring any situation that you're wanting to deal with in a person now just into their memory. But Jesus, you're right there with the person, so I pray that there'd be an openness to allow you to remove it and remove the pain, remove the poison. I'm going to ask you just to um, maybe begin to forgive the person if it's a forgiveness or if it's, if it's, or if it's maybe not it's forgiveness, maybe it's renouncing your involvement if pain came right of a result of something that you actually were the, had action in it. You now, you renounce that situation. You say, I cut off my agreement. I cut off my action in that. If there's pain, just ask him, just heal this pain, Jesus. Heal the pain, Jesus. I pray, I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, help people forgive. Help people forgive. Help people forgive. There is a fragrance from the Holy Spirit that comes in that to help us forgive, right? I sometimes just wonder if it's not the smell from the perfume that was poured out on Jesus before he was crucified, right? Just an intense, intense smell. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you really just help people forgive and help people let go of. I pray also for healing right now. If it's related to rejection, if there's wounding with rejection, I just pray, God, that you really move and show people that's never from you. You never reject us. Heal that Father. Heal that Father. Do this, do this now with your eyes still closed. Jesus, are there words I need to break off that I've spoken over myself as a result of the situation? Did I make promises that I should never have uttered? Did I say negative things about myself or the other person that I never should have as a result? If I did, Jesus, I repent. And I ask you to break every single one of those words down right now and make them completely powerless in the name of Jesus. They will not have any more power over my life or my family's life anymore. So why we do that is, in John 14, verse 30... Jesus was talking, it was the last night, actually, it's the, the last supper, the last night before he was taken off to be just in that six hours when they're having dinner for the Passover, before Jesus is taken off to be crucified. And in John chapter 14, verse 30, he said, now, I'll stop talking to you about these things now, because here comes my enemy, but he has nothing in me, in because all of our spiritual warfare is about the internal part, what goes on in our heart, our mind, our thinking, right? And so Jesus was so free of wrong thinking, so free of sin, so free of anything. He had nothing inside him, no hook that the enemy could come along and try and hang off and create wedges and kick open a door to have access to his life, right? 
And so what we've just done here with you just sitting with the Lord and asking him to bring back an old memory that might need to be healed of, you can do this on your own, right? Do this on your own. And even with that scripture, John 14, 30, just like Jesus, you can ask, I want nothing in me that the enemy can hang stuff on, right? And, and really pray that. It's John 14, 30. Pray it just the way Jesus did. Here comes the enemy, but he's got nothing in me. All right, this is what we're going to do now. Keep your eyes closed, okay? I'm going to read Mark chapter 10 from a little, a portion just before Bartimaeus. From chapter 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He looked compassionately at the children and he said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will receive the kingdom of God like a little child, anyone who will not receive the kingdom like a little child, will not enter into it. And Jesus took the children into his arms and placed them on his lap and he blessed them. Now, as I just read that scripture, I know a lot of people would have in their mind already just been seeing a picture of that because that's how our brain works sometimes, right? You can think literally, wow, Jesus was there in the story asking the children to come to him, right? So still keep thinking about that. Jesus is there laying hands on children, literally, because it's actually he was imparting to them. And the Greek there says he was imparting life. There was impartation happening and blessing happening as he put his hands on the children. Now, you are like that child. He wants you to come and allow him to impart. He wants you to come to him very freely, just like a little child. The children will run to Jesus. And we often just go, yeah, the children would run to him. That's okay, la, la, get on with life. And Jesus is like, no, no, you need to be like the children to accept the kingdom. So just still be thinking there, like, if you're thinking children would run to Jesus, see yourself running to Jesus. See yourself having him pull you in close and lay his hands on you and impart to you. Speak to your heart. Embrace you because that's what he wants to do. His tender love and in compassion, it was for all of the children, but we are God's children. Amen? We're God's children. Yeah, so Jesus, I do. I just pray now that um, if in the first portion of this where people were just letting go of things and letting go of past hurt, regret, unforgiveness, whatever it was, now I just pray, fill them, fill them, Holy Spirit. Let them just have seen as Jesus was um, laying hands on the children. I pray that you would show them it's the same love, it's the same tender compassion toward them as well. And they're so invited just to run up and sit with you, Jesus, and have you lay hands on. I pray, fill people, heal people heal people I pray father that we'd be the kind of people that would so quickly surrender and so quickly just give up when we want to hang on to something that's precious and just because we're trying to blame someone else for issues in our life that we'd let go of that let go of the wrong entitlement and let go of the things that have just been holding us back so that we can get up just like bright blind Bartimaeus did throwing his cloak off and running straight to Jesus I pray God that strength would come on the inside of people here this morning and that that soft but quick 
open-heartedness, willing-heartedness to obey you at every moment in every day, God. I pray that over people here. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Okay. Amen. 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 Cue the music. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Galatians 4.9 says this. It calls the demons weak and miserable forces. They're weak and miserable because Jesus broke all their power through the cross. 2,000 years later, the only power they have is when we give it to them and hand over our personal responsibility and live, you know, victim kind of life and with wrong attitude and junky emotions. That's the only way they have power over us. It's Galatians 4.9. They are weak and miserable forces. We remind them that their time is up when we live fully free, fully healed, and walking into wholeness and freedom all the time, right? None of us are perfect. We're all on journey. But the, but the more that we're just willing to go there in our heart with the Lord, and sometimes if you need the help of a friend to be a little accountable or even some prayer ministry, all of that is great, right? But the more openness and the more willingness that you are just to keep running to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, right? That, that willing-heartedness to get up and just run and leave behind the old stuff. You get really healed, healed, and you put the demons and the devil on notice. Weak and miserable forces that they are. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 